Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you for joining us. Today I have on Emily Hagopian. She's an architectural photographer who started Emily Hagopian Photography. Welcome, Emily. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited to get talking to you. And before we dive into photography, I would like to start with my favorite question. How did you get started in this industry? What's your story? Yeah. So I went to UCLA for a political science degree and long way had these different uh, influences that made it seem as though there might be an opportunity for creativity in my life on a regular basis. I, of course, like every other photographer, grew up with a camera in my hands and mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't stop taking pictures, but I never really thought of it as a career until I took a, an internship in Washington, D.C., and I worked for the Department of Education, and they offered us the opportunity to work within any office in the department. And once I heard that the audiovisual department was available, I raised my hand and spent the, the summer doing that. And so I, I realized that there was actually the opportunity to be a photographer and have a career in, in that sense, but it wasn't really the directive that I felt I was trying to fulfill. So I graduated from UCLA and I started working for Senator Boxer here in San Francisco. And Many different things started pointing me in a different direction. Postal workers went postal on me, as as people would call in. Well, 9-11 happened, and then the anthrax scare happened, and I actually received a fake anthrax letter. And I think it was the fake anthrax letter that put me over the edge, and I decided I wanted to go to photography school. And during my first course, in, I went to Brooks Institute of Photography down in Santa Barbara. And during my first course there, it was a very open, creative class, just trying to get us the basics of the technical skills with the camera. And I was able to photograph any subject matter that I wanted. And I I realized that I was really moved by a space that I had spent a lot of time in at UCLA, which was Powell Library. So I decided to go back to UCLA and photograph the campus there and just fell in love all over again with with the library, the architecture, and the design of that space and how I was able to capture it through the lens. I was very much enchanted by the building as a student and would spend a lot of time there because I had to work extra hard, I felt, in order to get good grades. And so I, I basically lived in the library while I was there. And then to revisit it through the lens of a camera was just... It just felt perfect. I don't, I don't know why. I've always loved taking pictures of people, but I just fell in love with the structure. And that led to a series of other events that helped me establish myself as an architectural photographer. There's many other details along the way, but I don't want to bore your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I brought you on here is AEC photography is something that I struggle to understand in the sense of knowing the ins and outs of a photographer who is in this industry. So my first question to you is, how do we build better relationships with a photographer or what does strategic planning of photography look like? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I do think that it is more than just 
you know, calling up a photographer and scheduling a time to go out and shoot a site. I highly recommend, and a lot of firms already do this, but not all. I highly recommend getting a sense of what your firm is going to need for the year. So doing an annual planning for what you know is coming down the pipeline. That way we can, you know, schedule things and get, get them on the calendar and understood and, and we can start preparing. But, but really, actually, if I, if I pull it back even further before that, as a firm, you should really gain an understanding of the type of visual assets that you want to create. What type of architectural photography do you want? And who, who are the architectural photographers who are producing that work? If you're in a bigger firm that's maybe more established, you may already have a visual kind of look. And so you need to match that look. But maybe you're a firm that's looking to kind of update your presence and, and the way that you share your work. And so who are the photographers that are creating the work that you would like to have as a representation for your firm? So doing a bit of research into exactly what type of photography and what type of photographers you want to work with is, is pretty critical. So once you get an understanding of, of this pool of photographers that you would like to work with, you, you come up with your strategic plan or your, your annual plan for photography, get an understanding of what's coming down the pipeline, and then contact your photographers. Even if it's not you know, happening in the next three months, you call up a photographer and say, hey, we really love the work that you're doing. We have a couple of projects this year that we would love to coordinate with you to, to make it happen. And once you get those sorts of things on the calendar and you establish who you're working with, then that allows you a bit of breathing room to then manage photo shoots that may come up and you weren't expecting it. That always happens. There's always last minute needs. And so if you have a general foundation for your annual plan, you know what your budget is then you can manage all of these kind of fires that come up. So what that does is, is it establishes a relationship with a photographer. That photographer already knows that there's some work coming down the line with your firm. And then that makes it a little bit easier for them to say, hey, yeah, I can jump on this last minute. And so there's a kind of a reciprocal relationship where you guys are taking care of each other and, and it just, just creates for great relations. <laughs> that makes sense. So let's say that a company has their strategic plan. They've identified you as their photographer. How do you work with a client from beginning to end? First, of course, we coordinate our schedules. We get a general idea of when the project is going to be ready to be photographed. And that's always a moving target. And most architectural photographers will understand that. But what we'll do is we'll make sure Generally speaking, depending on the clients, you may or may not know exactly what the scope is for, for the photo shoot, but we'll get a general idea just through looking at renderings or site plans for potential compositions. We'll come up with a general estimate. Maybe it's one day, maybe it's a half day, maybe it's two days. And I will come up with an estimate or a proposal so that you get an understanding of my fees and everything that's involved, as well as my terms and conditions, make sure everything's on the up and up there. And if all of that looks good, then we will schedule a site visit. At the site visit, which is critical, but it's not always possible, just as an asterisk there, I realize it's not always possible, but it, it always makes for a better day of photography if we do have a site visit prior. During the site visit, I will gain an understanding through conversation with the designer or whoever the project lead is 
as to what exactly your design story is or your engineering story or your construction story. It just, it all depends on the client, right? You all, you all have different stories to tell. And it's really important for me to have an understanding of what that story actually is. So we'll walk around the site. You guys will share your story with me, what we're wanting to accomplish with these images. I will explore all of the potential compositions that we can create together. And then from that set of imagery and information that's exchanged, we'll look through the site visit shots and come up with a general scope of imagery that we will shoot for the day of. Now, it's very often the case that we want to have a lot more than we can actually achieve. And so we'll then prioritize. So we'll, we'll get a list of, of the shots that we love and we'll set a priority for the must-haves. And then we'll have another set that's the nice-to-haves in case we move a lot faster than we think we might, you know, ahead of that. And we'll squeeze things in. So really the site visit is a, is a critical aspect of success for the day of the shoot. The next step that we'll take, that we'll schedule the day of the shoot, I will show up with myself and my assistants, and we will bring all of the technical gear that's necessary to capture the images. The client will provide props and other styling materials that we might possibly need for the photo shoot to, to be authentic. Once we arrive on site, we will determine the schedule of the images, how, how we're going to move through the building, what we're going to shoot first, middle, and last. And then all of that actually depends on exactly what's going on in the site, how the light is moving through the building, and what are the obstacles that we have to move around. Perfect. You mentioned compositions. When you're looking at your schedule, about how many compositions do you get when you go through a full day of work? Oh, that is a very, very good question. Yeah, setting up proper expectations is critical. Now, the amount of imagery we can produce really does fluctuate, but I like to set proper expectations and say, generally speaking, for a half day, we can absolutely get five compositions. Now, that's not to say that's all we can get, but it really depends on how much styling is required on site. For a full day, I say... 10 images, it's usually between eight and 12, but sometimes we've produced, you know, 16 to 20 in one day. And, and then other days we've only been able to produce that eight, that set of eight compositions. The main variables are the condition of the site when we arrive, how much styling we need to do, what are the obstacles or things that might be getting in the way of capturing the imagery and the particular kind of desire of the client and how perfect everything needs to be and how things need to be staged. So there's many different factors that weigh into how much we're able to accomplish in a day. Generally, I like to say five original compositions for a half day, 10 original compositions for a full day. Now, one thing I forgot to mention about this, what we learn during the site visit and our conversation is whether or not we want to have the images populated. Now, the majority of my work is populated. I feel as though it's a critical aspect of making a space feel approachable. And my main goal is to, to create an authentic representation of what it's like to occupy that space. And so what we'll discuss is, one, your 
aesthetic. Maybe you're a firm that doesn't like to have people in the uh, shots and that's totally okay. Although I have to say that, that most awards that are out there do prefer to have people in the shots. So it's always nice to have the option of people. If we do decide to have people in the shot, we need to determine who those people are going to be. My assistants are always quite good in the shots and we can work with one or two people in the space, or we can bring in people from your team. We can also hire models to arrive on site and provide what might be a more authentic representation of who would occupy the space because we can curate who is in the shots. And that's, yeah, generally speaking, those are really kind of critical factors to include. Whenever I'm shooting and we have people in the shots, I always make sure to photograph the space empty. And then we add people to the shots. So we have the opportunity of having empty shots as well as populated shots. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the other things that I wanted to touch on with you that I don't think a lot of people, myself including, understand fully about photography is licensing. Can we talk quickly about licensing and what that means? I guess for you, the company, and then for your client as well. So historically, photographers, there's time spent to create the images. Right. And then there's additional fee for the usage of the images. Now, if, we, if I were a traditional commercial photographer, the licensing fees would be, would be significant and limited. And so that would mean there'd be a time frame that the images can be used. There would be a limit to where and how the images can be used. And all of that would determine the price of the licensing. Now, architectural photography is slightly different. And especially in my mind, I don't, I I can't speak for other photographers, but as a photographer, architectural photographer, I'm not creating the space, obviously, right? I'm not creating some masterpiece that just came from my brain. This is a shared experience, a shared creative project. And so it makes sense then that the licensing not be as restrictive as a regular advertising or commercial photographer. Right. And so the way that architectural photography licensing is generally done is that there's a photographer will come up with what they feel they're comfortable with providing to the clients. And there, there's rarely time restraints, but the, the critical factor is to know that the imagery that's being created is owned by the photographer. Okay. The client then has the license to use those images according to the agreed upon terms between you and your photographer. Now, I can only speak for my own terms, and I'll let you know what those are. Generally speaking, the licensing is is provided for the lifetime of the firm. They are allowed to use them for all internal purposes and for outreach, PR, and like. There's not really a situation where it would not be allowed in my licensing. However, the most important critical thing to remember, and this goes along with an understanding that you do not own the images, you're not allowed to provide the images to a third party who would utilize those images as a means of advertising their own work or their own products. So third parties include, say say my client is an architect, so a third party would include the contractor, engineer, the furniture supplier, and actually certain 
magazines and publications that have in their terms that if you were to give them the images, then the magazine corporation owns those images. So that's actually a really tricky line to that's important to pay attention to because a lot of our publications these days are advertorials uh, rather than editorial opportunities. And in the in that fine print, the publication often tries to do a license grab. So those are really important things to pay attention to. Generally speaking, I will not prevent my clients from being published ever, unless there is some crazy sort of line item there that the magazine is trying to do an asset grab so that they can then resell the images. Okay. One thing that I do that might be a little different than other photographers is with my photographer's fee, I include licensing for my client and my client's client. Uh, a lot of other photographers might add that on as an additional fee and, and they may have a, a lower day rate. I'm not sure, but, but anyways, it might be an additional line item. What I like to do is include the licensing for both parties because that makes it so that all parties involved with the photo shoot have skin in the game and everybody is interested in a good outcome. It also provides an opportunity for my client to either gift the images to the clients or they can team up with their client to share costs. So it's a bit of a, a tool that can be utilized for a few different positive outcomes. Perfect. Now, is it possible if a company wants to outright own the image, is that a possibility? So it's a highly discouraged possibility. And <laughs> um, <laughs> it's what we call a buyout or sometimes firms like to create a clause in the terms that's work for hire, which is more of a setup for if I, as a photographer, were actually an employee. And so saying that any imagery created on sites, they own. Most of the times we can negotiate our way out of that desire by providing restrictions on use and requirements for approval of sharing the images or any sort of anything like that. But in the case where you have a client that absolutely has to own the images outright, there is a fee associated with that because there's two different revenue streams for photographers. One is the production and one is the licensing. And so if a client were to want to have a full buyout of the images, it would need to compensate for that other revenue stream, which is the licensing. The way that I've been doing it, reluctantly, of course, because I don't ever like charging a client this much, but I will double my photographer's fee and that will compensate then for the loss of potential revenue in the future. It's highly discouraged. I don't think that it's a good way to do business and it definitely wouldn't be a sustainable way for me to do business moving forward. But there are always situations that come up that we have to, to find some middle ground. Generally speaking, there's nothing that we can't negotiate or figure out, but some, some avenues are discouraged more than others. Sure. That makes sense. So you had mentioned that the way photographers stay in business is partially through contracted work. So through your clients, architects, engineers, construction companies, and the reason that you own it is 
is to have a stockpile of images for your own use. Could you explain that a little bit? Thank you for remembering that. I I really appreciate that. That's absolutely correct. So for a photographer to be able to sustain a business, we have two different forms of revenue sources. So like you said, there is the actual creation of the imagery, the production, and then there's the licensing. And so those two revenue streams make it so that we can sustain ourselves. And so what happens is we'll do a photo shoot. I allow additional participants to join in on the photo shoot up until the final invoice. So say you're the architect and you have a few people, few firms that might be interested in partnering, but they're not sure yet. So they haven't signed on completely. We'll do the shoot. I've got the proofs to share after the photo shoot prior to final retouching. And my client can then kind of throw those out there to anybody who might be interested in participating and going in on a license that's significantly less expensive than than when the final shoot is, is completed. So that's an opportunity where my client has the ability to share costs, which is really great. But then after that final invoice has been issued, anybody else who is interested in purchasing the images must contact me directly in order to purchase a license for those images. And that allows for me to have, again, as I said, a sustainable business model where I'm not a destitute and desperate sort of a photographer who's just trying to to scrape by, but rather I'm able to focus on creating quality work, maintaining my equipment and making sure I have the best tools to provide you the best services. Perfect. Yeah. When clients are working with you, do photographers have different styles or I guess personal styles? What, what does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself with regards to this, but when we're shooting, I very much am a collaborator. When we're on set, I value the collaboration of the team. And so we will all be looking at the images together well, if it weren't COVID, my clients could look through the lens and you know see what they see and we can discuss tweaking it however we need to. And really have, I like to have a hands-on open workspace where we are all contributing to the success of the photo shoot. And so I'm not certain how other photographers like to work. I've heard that maybe some are a little bit more focused and like to have their own kind of vision and be more of a director rather than a collaborator. But I, I absolutely feel, it. number one, it's important to be collaborative. And it's number two, critical to have fun on set. So yeah, that's absolutely my approach. Excellent. So if our listeners want to know more about you and your work, I know you've been featured in the Marketer magazine, but where can our listeners find you? Sure. Yeah, you can go to my website. It's emilyhagopian.com. I'm also on Instagram. Emily Hagopian photo. And I do have a blog, but I don't attend to it too much, but I also, (laughs) (laughs) I am going to start sending out emails more frequently. So if you would like to be on my email list, you can email me directly at emily at emilyhagopian.com. Perfect. And that's, yeah, that's generally where I'm at. I'm also going to be featured in the June issue of SMPS Marketer Magazine again this year. So that's exciting as well. Excellent. Okay. So I will include all those links in the show notes. 
Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to enlighten me on AEC photography. Absolutely. It's been completely my pleasure. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Emily. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.